Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from all over the world, welcome to Tales with Tear. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. It's good to be with you again, getting back to some normalcy in my life, but not in the NHL playoffs. We're going to have a relatively new well, we're going to crown a new winner who will be, who was the last team left? Carolina won it in 2006. Florida have never won the Stanley Cup, that is. Dallas would have been right before that, early 2000s, I suppose. And Vegas never have won it either, so it's going to, it should be interesting. Uh, I got a lot of DMs. TR, who do you think is going to win? I have no idea. Everybody I picked, as well as a lot of other people, are probably out right now. I mean, I can't even remember. I didn't pick any of the teams left. The more I watch, the more I believe Las Vegas. But, uh, you know, I've, I've generally been wrong the last couple of years in more series than not. Although last year, I remember... Uh, I picked Colorado, Tampa. Anyway, who really cares? Who really cares, right? It's a bounce of a puck. It's uh, not just the bounce of a puck, but I guess what I'm saying is that the four teams left, I think, are very well balanced. 
I wouldn't. Who do I like the most? Dallas. Why? I think they play my style of hockey. Um, you know, even even guys. Well, I look at Ben obviously, and Seagan will stick you. Uh, they're not easy to play against. I can go down the list. Uh, let's see, Joe, Joe Pavelski. There's a great example. Um, they got great young players. Someone would say, you know, well, Robertson can snipe, and he can, and he goes to the hard areas. That'll do it. But uh, Pavelski, there you go. Just goes in front of the net. He's he's an, an absolute magician in the slot at tipping that puck in. You know, I can think it's Crosby's good at that. Back in my day, back in my day, uh, Ryan Smith was good at that. I remember growing up and watching a guy in the Flyers, Tim Kerr. He was great. Bobby Smith with the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Right, guys? That go. It's. I mean, you got to have good hand-eye to play, right? But I'm sure a lot of players have the hand-eye that Joe, Joe Pavelski does. Not, not to underestimate his or anything or undervalue it or underappreciate it. But what I'm saying is that Pavelski has to go to that spot in front of the net first in order to tip the puck in, and that is not an easy place to live. It's just not. That's where you get the hacks, wax, all of the above. And there's an example of a guy that's tough that doesn't really drop his gloves. A lot of people ask me that question, you know. Where's the toughness gone? Well, it's changed. It's changed. Don't tell me that he's not tough, though. Don't tell me is not tough. I mean, he doesn't go out there and fight with, with Vegas. Look at his two goals in the final game against Edmonton. They're literally, one, he was literally in the net, and the other one, he was right in front of it. Now, just to go there, and if you're a fan that's never paid attention to the game on, on, on the minute level of what goes on in the offensives, I guess it could be the defensive zone, um, depending on your perspective, but uh, all over the ice, but particularly down in, in and around that net, it's not an easy place to live as a, as a forward that's trying to score a goal for sure. And guys like Pavelski, who it's not like he's 6'5", 240, you know, I don't know. He looks as big as me, I suppose. Um, you know, it's it's just it's as much heart and determination as it is skill, because it is a fucking skill to be tipping these pucks. They're going ninety miles, hundred miles an hour consistently, more than anybody else, right? So, but you got to put yourself in that position, and I don't know that. You know, a lot of scores don't do that. They don't. And no, I'm not talking about Austin Matthews. I wasn't thinking that. Got all kinds of almost hate mail. Look, I think he'll be all right. And uh, Matthews blocked. Was it in the air? He either blocked close to the most shots or as a forward. He had a lot of hits, which I didn't see coming, but more so than you would think Austin Matthews. But I think it was shot blocking that he was like leading the league for a while. And, you know, so you got to. That's not an easy position to put yourself in. Could he in the playoffs have changed his game a little bit, go to those hard areas? Likely, yes. But I really wasn't picking him out when I when I was thinking of that. I just it was more of an observation. Every year, you know, we say, and a lot of people say that hockey's getting softer. And in many ways it is. It, it, the obvious is, you know, the less guys that drop their gloves and fight. Although, still, there was a lot of fights, like in and around 300 this year again. You know, that's way more than any pro sport, right? So I, I don't think we're in danger of losing it anytime in the near future altogether. Um, I think the Quebec League took a step backwards by 
banning it, quote unquote, banning it. What the fuck is banning it? Banning it's already banned, isn't it? It's already a penalty, so it's banned. Tripping on a breakaway, that's banned. It's a penalty. It happens all the time, and you gotta go in the box. Fighting's banned. I can't drop my gloves and fight without going to the penalty box for five minutes. It's a major. If we both agree to it, we both get majors. It might seem like nothing, but it's not. I'm out of the game for five minutes. That's the way it goes. So it is banned. I don't know what the fuck the guy, what the, I, I forget. I'm not looking it up. The commissioner of the QMJHL, those that don't know, recently, I guess two months ago, said, well, we're going to ban fighting. It's already the least fights in that league of any of them. And I have more power to them. All right, you're going with speed and finesse and good. Uh, so it's great. That's the way the game's going. I don't know if I'd be banned in fighting. There's still something. And for me, it's like the kid who never gets put down in high school. You can't fail anymore, right? No one can fail because everybody's, no one wants to offend the kid who failed. So kids get through that should have failed a grade. And then they get to university and they're fucking mesmerized. They're hit with a fucking sack of hammers across the face. They have no fucking idea how to deal with adversity. What do you mean my professor doesn't like my paper, but I've passed everything? Yes, little Johnny, because the system fucking is too bubble-wrapped and easy and soft. That's why you're where you are. You're not a genius like you thought. You're like everybody else. Now work harder. Get the fuck out of here. Go down and fucking bartend or whatever you're going to do, but get out of my school. Right? And they hear that. People fucking bail. I don't know what it's like everywhere, but here at Memorial University, I know that's a big thing. First-year students, most of them don't finish. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? If you ban fighting and you can't play with it, and the very league that you're going to has Ryan Reeves and Milan Lucic in it, and more, right? I find it fucking crazy. You're setting people up to fail if you're banning, quote-unquote, banning fighting. I can see saying, you know what? No more than... I don't know, five to 10 in a year. My draft year, I had 20 fucking five or something. I was looking my first year in Tri-Cities, I had 22, and I was considered a scorer. That's how much the game has changed. But, you know, I, that, so point is, that might have been a bit excessive. 72-game schedule in junior, I think you could get your angst out. I think 10 fights would be, if you had to put a max on it. We just had Max for the game, right? But in junior, even, we could fight three times and then we'd get kicked out. I don't know. Put a two-game... Two like, whatever this is, it is fucking banned. It's a penalty, right? And if you do it in the fucking... With a few minutes left and you're first instigator, you miss a game like Darnell Nurse in the playoffs, right? You can't chop someone over the shoulder like, Mar like fucking Alex Petrangelo did. And you can't fucking drop your gloves and fight. It's going to be a penalty. How severe? Well... We can write that into the rule book. So it is banned. It's not like I can go on a breakaway, kick the shit out of somebody, pick my gloves up, finish the breakaway and score because I'd get a penalty. So it's banned. Fucking idiots. Um, you know, get some kid who, who and not now by doing that, you get some kid who wants to fight. And I don't mean every night. But I've, I know I work with kids here. I work with them like I got some fucking business and I got an office. No, no, no. I just skate. We have skates five times a week. And now the people are starting to come back. They pick up a little bit. I'm lucky enough to still be a part of most of them. Right. And so a lot of the kids come in and they're going to major junior. They're going to college or they're, you know, they have all kinds of questions. It's not about the NHL. Uh, which European team should I go for, T-Bone? Uh, this is D3. You think I should go to this school versus that one? I know people that have been there at this point. I'm no expert, 
but a lot of my friends, hockey's not a huge world. People I played with and against have kids now, or they're running the team, or their GM or coach themselves. You know, so I just have a lot of contacts and a lot of knowledge within the uh, sport. But I, I'm not a scout or anything. I don't just automatically, you know. <clears throat> I try to help out when I can, if I can, right? But a lot of these kids, and like they'll come out and go, like, I might get in a fight this year, and I'll help them. I'll show them. There are pointers, right? Most of it back in the day was a lot of instinct. But when you drop your gloves with guys that are big and tough and love fighting enough, it's survival of the fittest, and you will get better. So I know now like where to grab. I know like how to hide my head. I know all that was instinctual to me. Some people helped me out, Shane Corson being one, but I had probably a hundred under my belt in junior before that. Right? And and that's what I mean. My first three or four years of fighting, like in junior A, when I was sixteen, when I was my draft year, I was just kind of learning how to really, really be be pretty good at it for for middleweight. Um and in pro, you know, fuck, you can only fight George LaRock and Frank Bialoas and fucking Ty Omi and, and Cam Russell and guys like that so many times before you get a little bit better at it, right? But now I can't imagine coming into the league with no fights now and like having to fight the Laurier or fucking Reeves or anybody or Kachuk or whoever, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even fathom that. You get knocked out. So... I think it's a move in the wrong direction. No one was talking about it anyway. It's not like there was too many fights in the queue. We're not talking about the fucking semi-pro league there, that it's fucking 20 fights a game. We're talking about the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, which was already by far the least of the major junior leagues when it came to fights. So there was no problem. Now you just got to get vocal about it. Okay. To me, what you're saying is that, oh, you're bragging about the fact that your kids aren't going to be prepared for the biggest league in the world. If they want to go to Europe and play in Sweden, fine. They're great. You might make an argument to me that most leagues in the world, you can go and be totally fine without ever having to drop your gloves. But if you're bragging as the Quebec Major Junior League, an extension of the CHL, under, sorry, under the umbrella of the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, OHL, WHL, QMJHL. If you're bragging and taking pride in the fact that you're a big feeder system for the NHL, well, you should probably have your rules in line with the fucking NHL when it comes to injuries. There's allowed open ice hitting? Okay. There's allowed hitting on the boards? Okay. It's playoffs, a little cross-check in front of the net, going to go unnoticed? Okay. There's also dropping your gloves. And whacking someone in the fucking eye with your knuckle. And that's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen in junior and you become 20, 21 without having done it, I can see if you're 13. Fuck, what happened to people, man? Don't play the sport. Fuck, man. Don't say, call it the Quebec Major Junior Almost Hockey League. But fuck me. There was no problem in the first place. This isn't like it was 1992 in the WHL and you had to have drastic measures. I went out. We couldn't warm up with the other team. We weren't even allowed. Ten-minute misconducts didn't count on my penalty minutes. 
right? There was reason for it. Kerry Toporowski nearly broke the record, or he did break the record, 515 penalty minutes, look it up, without 10s. It was a fucking gong show. I can see taking measures to have a bunch of fucking kids not beat the shit out of each other and getting 80 fights in a season. There was like fucking 28 people that had, I remember in one of the years I played, which I guess mid-90s, that was the peak of it or shortly after. Um, one of those years, I remember there was 28 people. I remember it was almost 30 with 25 fights. Right? 25 fights. Now, I'm not saying that's right, but banning it all together, first of all, it was even banned then, right? Because like I said, a penalty, fighting is a penalty. But anyway, um, you know, going from, that's chaos, I know it is, but none is also, that none results in injury as well. One way you're getting so many that, fuck, man, something might happen here. I might fall fall back, hit my head. I might fucking get hit with a stick over the head. Shit was getting crazy. Type in the Tri-City Fans Seattle stick swinging incident. Go look at that on YouTube. Tell me that something need, didn't need to be done. I get it. But fuck me. There's one fight every 10 games in the queue, and you're going to call for alarms? You're going to red flag that shit and say we're banning it? Then some kid gets in the NHL, gets pissed off. Fuck this. I'm going to take matters into my own hands and gets his orbital bone broken because he has no fucking idea how to fight. God damn it. I always sound like a fucking barbarian, but I'm just saying. I've burned a fucking half hour talking about something I wasn't even going to talk about. Second thing. Cameos. I got to give a shout out. Uh, Jamie. Out in Scotland, loves gardening. Um, by the way, Jamie is is a woman, and she's married to Tyler, and Tyler got it for her. They've been married for 19 years. That's as much of a success as anything, isn't it, in this today's day and age? I think the divorce rate's almost 70. What a crock of shit all of that is. What a crock of shit, right? What a crock of shit. Even if you're sitting there now married, you played the game. I get it. I played the game twice. And that's not my, my my sarcasm and angst or or frustration here isn't really about personal experience. I mean, I guess it kind of indirectly is, but I respect my ex-wives. I don't think we should have been married, but I'm not so much laughing at the institution or or the the idea of loving somebody and and being united. It's just marriage. Come on, are you fucking kidding me? And it gets tied into like the Lord somehow. I don't know how did that happen. Right? All of a sudden, this wedded bliss and the whole fucking wedding ceremony, we kind of created that and then tossed the Lord in to make it official. You know, just might as well have some God fearing youngins get married early and yada, yada, yada. Follow the path of the Lord. But, uh, and whatever. It's a separate thing, too. I don't laugh at religion. I'm not religious, as I've often said, but uh, how, how marriage got tied into all of that. And not only that, it's a total crock. It's almost 70% now. The fucking divorce rate? What are we doing? Can't you just be with somebody? I think I love you means more than I, I, I do when you get married. I think just the words I love you. Because I don't think a lot of people now that say I do when they're getting married really know what love is. I don't think they do. They might 
have all kinds of reasons to get married, not the least of which they think is love, but it might be an early kind of energetic lust, you know, or it might be convenient. Well, you know, if we live together and we share the bills and we live under one roof, and I mean, I think we love each other, right? Yeah, I mean, we love each other. We've been together for five years. I mean, we must. We can't get divorced now. We can't, sorry, we can't break up now. Let's just get married. Right? Or the young 19-year-old. No, I really, I'll never love anybody else. I'll never love, it's impossible. Right? You fucking screw 380 times a week for the first fucking six months. Right? In the second year, you might run into a few problems. Third year, things are getting stale. Uh, I'm only banging once every week or two. Wonder if they're getting anything on the side. Fourth year, it's just like, well, we, we respect each other. We don't screw a lot, but it's not that kind of relationship. right? Lipstick on the collar. All of a sudden, you can't get a hold of your girl at midnight to three in the morning. Oh, I was out with the girls. My phone went dead. Right? All the while, you're fucking now. You're, one of you lost your job. You're struggling to pay the bills. Maybe you got a baby on the way going, fuck. Scratch your head. Fuck, did I make the right decision here? And then you look up and you're like, I'm 22. What the fuck did I do? Anyway, Jamie there. Uh, that was... <laughs> That was rather morbid. Uh, point being, Jamie and Tyler are still fucking married, and that's great. Um, they love. Uh, they live in Scotland and watch the Solway Sharks senior hockey team. I'd love to watch a game in that league. And uh, their camper van is Van Aykroyd, and they travel all over Europe and Scotland and are going to California this year. Well, Jamie, happy birthday and more uh, more than anything guys congrats to you both happy anniversary it's coming up you've been married for 19 years your next one is 20 i'll say it ahead of time and next matthew matthew's turning 50 a cop in new hampshire and uh he has a girlfriend that loves him to death love shorzy thanks for tuning in matthew and uh tiara thanks for ordering the cameo um I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys watching Shorzy and uh, being so involved. Mm. Next. Next, actually, before I before I forget, and I do say I try to help some kids out. So listen, there is a cat that listens to my podcast from Ushua, Argentina. Okay. It's, check it out. It's the, I believe, the furthest hockey south the furthest southern hockey ice surface maybe i probably butchered that but anyway matthew meinzer it's ushua argentina okay check that out now he's got a kid anybody out there that can do anything about this he's got a kid here ushua by the way is spelled u-s-h-u-a-i-a -A. i think i'm saying it the right way uh, he's got a kid that's born in 2005, Alejo, it looks like A-L-E-J-O, Uriel Mistraletti. And he believes that this kid can play junior, and, and he would be the first kid ever to do it from there. And this Matthew is from uh, New York State, and he 
lives over there now and dedicates his whole life to hockey, ball hockey, just to giving opportunities to these kids that never, ever would have the opportunity to play hockey, right? So, I mean, if you go to YouTube and Google Ushua, Argentina, you'll kind of see what I mean. It's a real cool spot. It's just, it's a, I mean, Newfoundland's kind of out of the way. This is way, way out of the way. Uh, so I can't imagine trying to get a kid from there with less eyes on him or her over here. But anyway, that's what they're trying to do. And he's confident he can play junior B and contacted actually some teams over here. One that I know pretty well, uh, St. Paul Canadians, junior B, the kid was going to go there and try it out, try out. But, uh, I believe there's the Canadian, like Canada doesn't want too many international players. I don't think that's, that's what I'm led to believe. This kid just wants an opportunity before he goes back and goes to university, wherever he's going to go. I don't think the goal, if I understand Matthew correctly, is like to make the NHL. Um, I mean, the sky's the limit. But I think I think this kid just wants, you know, this kid plays and he has an idea about the culture. He sees us on TV. They watch games. I was at a Newfoundland Growlers game the other night. Congrats to the Growlers, by the way. Moved on to the semifinal. Playing Florida Everblades coming up. And um, they saw me on TV. So... I, and he sent me a message. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm reminded that they watch a lot of North American hockey. They watch Shorzy. They know what's happening. The kid just wants to come over and play. I figure there's enough teams. I mean, Junior C, Junior B, Junior A. There's got to be somewhere. If anybody listening to this wants to take a chance on a kid that I trust Matthew's uh, opinion. I've known Matthew for a few years. He's never, ever pushed this on me, ever. I don't know. I'm, I've never met him. We just speak online and once in a while if he has something relevant to say he'll shoot me a note he's certainly not in my face a lot he's not trying to get every kid over here even though he has big camps this is the first time he's ever brought it up and uh, he doesn't even know I'm going to say this I just figured why not uh, of of the messages that I get of uh, people with requests and uh, you know maybe missed opportunities and whatever this is uh, this is worth speaking about and the kid would would great ground and I think it would mean a lot for everybody that came behind him in uh, Ushua. It would show that it's possible you know, like I don't need to go on and on. Carl English from Newfoundland was one of the best basketball players ever from Canada. We didn't, before that we had nobody. We had, we did. I don't want to offend Tim Beckett and and, and Steve Beckett <clears throat> uh, amongst others that have played professionally uh, you know, there's there's all kinds. I don't want to start new, listing Newfoundland's basketball players. Um, Peter Benoit, Glenn Suley, just people that I grew up with that were decent players. But Carl came along and went pro, and now the Newfoundland basketball is through the roof, the registration, right? Why? Because largely because of Carl English. Um. So good luck to Matt and good luck to LA, Alejo, 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 A-L-E-J-O, Alejo. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. With the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you can bet on things like money line, puck line, over, under, and more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with promo code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. 
That's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for complete offer details. Let's face it, with coffee starting at $5, yes, even without any customizations, and our bank accounts somehow always depleting, we are officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate, or dupe, is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe that you definitely shouldn't sleep on are Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, all without breaking the bank. Spending less on earbuds means you don't have to worry about breaking the bank and are a great entry point if you're looking for your first pair of high-quality wireless earbuds. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other more big-name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options, and right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. Plus, they have an easy and free return guarantee. Still not sure? They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few extra bucks, and they offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. But don't just take it from me, Raycon has over 50,000 five-star reviews, and it's easy to see why when you look at their great features like noise isolation and eight hours of playtime with their everyday earbuds. Plus, if you're looking for earbuds that you can wear at the gym, Raycon's earbuds are water and sweat resistant. Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Okay, so you might, you might find this humorous, but not humorous. I don't know why I want to say this, but I, I just want to let it out of me. Most people, I guess, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I tell you this. So I went, I promised Penny Lane 10 years ago when she was three, barely just speaking and walking and forming memories. She always wanted a white Jeep. I don't know where she saw it, Barbie Land or some shit. She always wanted a white Jeep. So I said, one day I'll get us a white Jeep, I promise. Now, the last couple of years haven't been the easiest on her. I mean, it's a lot of, when I say that, Penny Lane has been great with adversity. Like, but but the last couple of years, like I said, her mom was in the process and then left to live in Calgary. And uh, she's working out there. Penny Lane sees Danielle, of course. Uh, she goes out once in a while. Danielle comes home. This summer, Penny Lane is playing in uh, a soccer tournament for Team Newfoundland, uh, a national event in Montreal in July. Danielle's going to meet us there. I'm not saying it's not a healthy relationship. It totally is. You know, when her mom left, I said, and that's when I bought this house. It's small, but it's nice, and it's ours, and she loved it. And she way rather live here than rent somewhere. She said, I want somewhere that's ours, 
you know, we've been here over a year now. It's a real nice little cabin-like atmosphere in an old part of Mount Pearl. Trees in the background, a river, nice little walking trail. So it's beautiful. I love it, just not big. But she loves it, and it's hers. And over the last year, I said, you know what? I have somewhat of a regular paycheck here now, and let's just say, you know, my salary was bumped up a bit. And um, so I said, I'm going to look at the white Jeep. So while I was in Ontario shooting Shorzy, and I, I haven't had payments in a long, long time. It's one of the mistakes I made in my life. The first thing I did with my signing bonus, I bought my parents a car and a Jeep Cherokee fully loaded. I bought myself a brand new Camaro fully loaded with cash. Silly. Should have paid on it, leased it, bought one a few years old. Wouldn't have mattered to me. Like, you know, just less money, but I, I had no idea. And I did that again with a Durango. I mean, you wonder, right? Like I blew my signing bonus 1.25, but with taxes and agent fees and everything, it was 36% of that I got. So I got 400 something thousand, right? The first two things I did was buy the car, Jeep, um, fix up my parents' house in the way of, you know, they needed some help there and everything. And they're the reason I was anywhere. So without getting into it, buying cars outright was a waste. And I did that again with a Durango. And then, you know, I came back. So I had those and, and their value even though cars depreciate over the course of 10 or 15 years, every vehicle I had was either was a direct result of that. I remember trading in the Durango and uh, getting, what did I get? Oh, a truck, right? And, and I kind of scaled down. But those did me a while until the 2010s where I couldn't get approved for anything. I was, you know, I was more concerned about fucking going bankrupt at times during that. So I would, you know, work my ass off really and come up with five or six thousand dollars and buy my next vehicle that's what i've been doing so i have a dodge charger there 2012 did me perfect for a few years but now it's on its last legs and i figured well you know what penny lane i'm gonna get us a fucking white jeep fuck it so i looked and I, now i'll tell you exactly like i was just i don't mind saying it people are so scared to talk about money but I was way in the hole, like six figures in the hole a few years ago. And never, like, I, I didn't go bankrupt. I sometimes talk about it and joke about it, but it, it was it was a decision. That's why I left Ontario and, and, and did, you know, whatever I could to send some money home. We were going through a divorce. It wasn't easy, an easy time. Uh, so, uh, for the most part, like I said, I've had a car for, for three, four years, whatever it would be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So getting back to, uh, sorry about that. I drifted for a second. So I go up there. So I did. I owed, I owed a lot of money. And we always figured it out. We came back. Danielle and I, but God, we sunk a lot of money into Faces Magazine. And it's kind of like an Instagram, for, if you can picture, it's just like seen and heard, like pictures around town. We bought it like in 2010, right before Instagram really took off. A lot of money. And I, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, that was mostly me and Danielle's money as well and mine. And, and we fucking lost that. Just some real bad luck. So since I finally, you know, went hard through my podcast, thank you everybody for listening, through Shorzy, some Chicklets appearances that ended up, you know, really helping my sponsorship for my podcast. Um, 
those books, you know, even though books don't pay a lot, I've talked about, they pay something. And each time I go up to, to give a speech or something like that, right, if I sell 50 or 100, it's it's been a battle. But I figure finally, so my point is, most of my bills are paid. My credit card only is $1,000, and I, I like it like that. I don't want any more. Um, my mortgage is $570. I like it like that. My, my bills are minimum. But I figured I got to get a new vehicle. And I always have, like, I, I try to have enough in the bank that if I didn't have any job for three months, I could live, okay? So I don't have, like, what people would think. I don't have, like, six figures in the bank. Not even close, right? I try to have five if I can and pay all my bills. It's really simple, right? And, and I don't have it in stocks and bonds or anything. I don't. I'd rather it in a fucking case in my room, really, in a safe. That's what I'd rather work with. I'm, I'm old school like that. And, and I just don't like hearing footsteps. I don't like having bills. So I go out. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to have to suck it up. Nearly... Uh, I looked when I was away. Problem here in Newfoundland, it's an island. So if you want a specifically a white Jeep, you, you've only got so many options. Now there's, you know, there was probably 20 or 30 options, but they were all mostly brand new. So I said, fuck it, let me go see, you know, brand new. I can, I can pay this now. I, I think given, honestly, given that Shorzy filming it feel, felt so funny that I really believe, I do, that if Jarrett wants to keep going, I'm confident, like I'm, confident that it'll go another season i don't really know no i mean it's already going to but just judging and how it felt and if people like the first one and the first one was a success i'm guessing that so i'm hoping Jarrett goes another season or two and i know that with my podcast and everything i should be able to make these payments right i'm like i'm just not used to being confident because i've been knocked down so many times so i don't want the payment but i said fuck it well holy fuck I go out, fucking Hickman, Dodge, whatever it is here. And I walk in, I tell the guy, I'm like, well, you know, ideally, it's a Jeep. Like, so ideally, 20 to 30,000, I'll make some payments, right? And he's like, well, it's a Jeep. So like, that's going to get you something like 10 years old. I couldn't fucking believe it. I'm like, wow. I guess it can be a good thing. They retain their value, but I... Wow. So I'm like, well, what would it be for like something just a few years old? He said, well, you might as well get something new if you're going to get just a few years old. Sure. Run the specs. Show me what you got and uh, give me a price. So he says, yeah, I'm sitting there totally confident. I'm like, going to walk out of here with a Jeep. I don't know what I was expecting, but he says 550 biweekly. <laughs> I went, What? My mortgage is five seventy monthly. And by the way, what happened to this biweekly? Why is it? Why do? You, why do you have to tell me biweekly? Everything else in life, every one of other my bills is fucking monthly. My mortgage is monthly. Bell Alliance, fucking my cell phone, um, insurance, everything is monthly. So I don't give a fuck if it's five fifty biweekly. What you're telling me is that it's eleven hundred a month. Now most of you people are going, yeah. You must be because people drive around in cars. Holy fuck. What? I went, you're madness. I thought he was going to say like 120 bucks every every couple of weeks. You know, like 250 a month maximum, kid. That I, I Are you fucking like 
I don't know what I was thinking, but whoa. I was like, I was fucking, I, I was mesmerized. Penny Lane was with me. I'm like, holy shit, well, we can't, we, we're definitely not getting this. So I was like, and I don't care. Like, honestly, wow. Like, I was blown away because just in my comfort zone, I would honestly have to make three quarters of a million dollars a year just to even think about that. That's insane to me. Two weeks, like anything can happen. What what if Shorzy gets canceled? What if, you know, and maybe it's because I'm not on a fixed salary where I'm nine to five and every day, but I'm making more than when I had those jobs. Um, again, not a gargantuan amount, but certainly enough to pay for a Jeep. But it just seems insane. So I said, well, fuck that. Keep looking. And I said, well, you know, that this was brand spanking new, fully loaded, extended. So I was like, well, keep looking. So we look and, you know, I found one that's 2018. Real nice. I really like it. Even so. And I'm like, if I put $10,000 down, it's still 330 every two weeks. What? Like, I'm fucking flabbergasted. And this is a $35,000 vehicle, not like the original. The first ones we were looking at, I guess, were around 80, brand new Jeep, fully loaded, extended, right? And I'm going, even five years old, standard, whatever, you know, the short Sahara version, Wrangler, whatever the fuck it is. Top comes off. It looks like a Jeep's all I know. Holy Jesus, five years old. Every two weeks. <laughs> I'm blown away. I don't know how people do it. Point is, most people listening to this, I have no idea how the real world works. I don't know how you have skidoos and everything else. And like you work up the road at Ultramar. I, I don't know how it works. I, I really don't. I've missed the memo on life. I mean, I was in there and I won't say who, but I was in there that day. A friend from school. I know where he works. He makes decent money. It's certainly not out of this. Well, he's a teacher. He's a school teacher. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, my dad was a school teacher. He might have his master's. He might be getting paid max. Like, teacher's nothing to scoff at. But do the math. He's a teacher. He has a wife. I won't, I know, you know, she works odds and ends. No, she's working, but he was in there looking at a fucking truck. And he said, well, I might have to get this. Uh, fuck, it was like a the, the step up from the Cherokee, the Wagoneer or something. And I'm going, what the fuck? Like, what? Did I miss the memo? How are you going to buy that? If I'm over here buying this and it's cheaper than that. Like, I don't know. I guess people just do that. Just every month go, fuck it, I got eight grand in bills. Just put it on credit or I, I don't know. Or how you even get that credit. It took me months to get the mortgage uh, approved for this house. And the house was a little over 100000 So how do people do it? I, months it took. And I mean, all that story I told you about the near bankruptcy and everything, but at no point did I fuck up my credit or anything. I slid through. If I had to, I'd fucking... Like I said, I, I, I stack shelves overnight, Like, but, but we never, ever missed bills or anything. That's why we sold our house early, so we'd have something to 
I could see the writing on the wall. Danielle worked real hard. Two and three jobs, serving till two and three in the morning. God love her. We don't get along romantically anymore, but I really respect. There's love there. Ironically, we learned that we love each other after we're divorced, but love isn't fucking always lust and fucking and everything that wears off. Just, just to pick up on what I was saying earlier. But I do love the woman, and we went through some real hard times. But at no point, like I said, did our credit get fucked up? Did we... We were close. I remember having $20 in the bank going, Danielle, what am I going to do? And emailing all kinds of organizations saying, look, I can public speak. Normally I charge this. I'll give you for half. Taking a security job overnight minimum wage for three months just to fucking sit there basically being up, sneaking naps all day. Going to Toronto, like I said, walking around Union Station at night, not having anywhere to sleep. Hoping to get a call the next day to work on some film set and send the money home. She did the same shit from here. We worked fucking hard to pay our bills. So I have good credit, but it took forever to get a mortgage for this place. And now my, I don't even know if I'll get approved for the car. I got almost as much as the car is worth in the bank, but it doesn't matter. So how do people do it then that I, I just, how do they do it? One works at Walmart. The other one is a plumber. Now, again, there's, I'm not putting down, I'm just trying to think of it an average job. Construction, I don't fucking know. Teaching, average, I mean, above average, like a good salary. Average, I think, would be you'd have to take in all the minimum wage jobs with students and everything. You know, someone that's doing fairly well here in Newfoundland, I guess that would mean seventy-five, eighty-five thousand dollars $85,000. If you have that salary, it's um, in many ways cheaper to live here. I guess in certain ways, no, but when it comes to rent and uh, if you're not a smoker or a big drinker, uh, you know, gas is more expensive, but whatever, it's it's cheaper to have, live here than it is in Toronto, for example. Um, but in any case, I, I don't I don't know how people do. I, I have no idea. I got to go back out there now and say, no, thanks, man. Maybe one that's 10 years old. I don't want to hear the words biweekly ever again because it's it's monthly. Bi-weekly, just get out of here with that. So what do I have to pay monthly? $1,100 is fucking insane. But it's 2023. Most of what's on the lot are 2023. Everything's. Soon it'll be 24s. Someone is buying them. Someone is buying them. And if I'm doing okay, I know that lots and lots of people in St. John's are doing better than me. I understand that when it comes to Ah, when it comes to salary, I don't know if that many are doing better than me when it comes to having fun, because I got to be honest. My daughter's 13, just finished Shorzy. I got some great friends still playing some competitive ball hockey and hockey, and I, I'm really enjoying it. If there has been a sweet spot of my life, it'd be tough. I'd have to go to my daughter being born or, or, or uh, on an individual level, I guess. It's hard to replicate playing for the Canadians, but... I of definitely of recent history, this is a good spot to be in. And I'm going out there going, no fucking way am I paying that. So I guess my point is I'm looking across the street. I know what that guy makes and that girl. I'm looking at their house. I'm looking at the skidoos. I'm looking at the quads. Yes, multiple of both. 
I'm looking at the truck out front, and I'm going to myself, I know what they do. There's no side hustle. They have jobs that are pretty good. They're no better than mine. There's two of them, but there's two skidoos, two quads, a truck, a house with a decent amount of land. My question is how? Does the whole world know something that I don't? Because... I honestly, like I said, my comfort zone to pay $1,100 a month for a car and then insurance on it on top of that, I would honestly, I swear to you, three quarters might be at least $500,000 a year I'd have to be making. Now, the people that are buying them aren't making that. I know that. So how do they do it? I don't know. But, Penny Lane, you will not be seeing a white Jeep anytime soon, and I'm sorry for that. But that's just the way it is. Now, getting back, what I started with, I just looked down. I got a bunch of other messages on my phone. Guys, go through Twitter if you can. Just It's a lot easier because Instagram is starting to get, I'd rather in person, but you can't really do that, can you, all the time. So, um. I don't mind the messages. Just Twitter's a lot easier to manage, you know, for sure. Um, and I'll get back to you as best I can, but I just looked down. So in the time that I started this podcast, I have three questions, two of them. Go back to either who I think is going to win or what do I think is important in the playoffs. Look, I think you need fucking everything. I do. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, while you can point the finger at Guys, I mean, you know, even Marner and Matthews, they did score in the first round. Like, it's not like they went and did nothing. What do I think is going to happen there? I think it's going to be based on uh, Matthews' contract. Matthews, like, the, the, the salary cap's going up, okay? And each year, what it seems to me, I remember McDavid signed and then McKinnon signed right after for like 100000 more. One was 12.5, one was 12.6, I, I, I think around there so clearly you know McKinnon was up for it and just said you know basically I'm going to be the highest paid player $100,000 and it's certain percentage I think you can have one player make 20% of the team's salary um, because of the salary cap I I think that's the way it works maybe 21% or 19 it's around 20 so in the next couple years salaries are going to go way up so Matthews is up for contract so he could ask for being the Hart Trophy winner. And again, people might point the finger at him for the last few games, but he did score a lot again this year. And even in an off year, I think he's going to score more. He was the Hart Trophy lead, Rocket Richard winner a year ago. And again, I think in 11 playoff games, he had 11 points. So all that playoff stuff, I mean, if I'm his agent, I'm arguing you should have surrounded me better. I know as Leafs fans, you might disagree. I'm just saying, I don't think it's going to matter contract-wise anything about the playoffs. Um, so, you know, each team that I think has, each team that's won, I'm looking at it like recently or even had some success, not this cup every year, but let's say Boston, let's say Chicago when they were really rolling like four years ago and before. Um, Pittsburgh, Crosby 8.7, right? Like all these guys took a bit of a hit for the team. It sucks 
the NHL structure because of the salary cap really bites. And the way it's it's fucking structured is that if you're the best player, you almost either either make your money or you take a hit for the team. I'm not a fucking in this day and age, whatever. There's one in thirty-two chance you're gonna win the cup anyway. I'm not down on Matthews. This is not what I'm saying. If if he goes for the money, um, I prefer guys who didn't. But I mean, whatever. It's a different world than the one I played in. But here's what I think. I think it's going to be if he signs for, oh God, say thirteen five fourteen. It'll show some kind of a cut because I think he could ask for like eighteen, right? That's the way the the contracts are. The uh, salary cap is moving. It wasn't really moving during COVID, but so like soon enough, Mitch Marner's deal will look pretty good, if you can believe that, right? Um, William Nylander's contract already does look good. Well, he's he's got to sign a new one, but now looking back, people freaked out when he signed. I think six point five or seven. But I think they got a decent value out of that. You could argue with me. You're welcome to. It's not really my my whole point. But I just think that and when it comes to Leafs moves, it's going to – I think it will be based around Matthew's decision. If Matthew's decides to ask for $17 million, then it's an individual decision. I think if he asks for like 15 or maybe even 14 given the percentage of the team and where the contracts are going, then – you know, he shaved a little bit off of what he could have made. And I think that then you go from there. And you don't even fault him. If if he wants the money, then you just say so then you entertain how how what are we how are we gonna replace him? What are we gonna get for him? How are we gonna restructure our team? Then you go there. And if he wants to sign for something reasonable, then you say, Fuck, hats off to you, Austin. Um you've been great for us. There's something to be said for being a role model in the community too. The best players on the Toronto Maple Leafs are good human beings, stand-up guys. They're not showing up late. They're not showing up drunk. They're not showing up stoned. They're not telling the fucking media to go fuck themselves. They're not pulling a Kyrie Irving. They're not showing up injured. They're not taking games off. They're they're not making comments so they can better themselves on Twitter. They're not doing it all for the gram. And I do respect that. I really, really do. Playing in Toronto Maple Leafs, you have a lot of opportunities to become a mega star for all the wrong reasons. And they don't do that. And that's something that has to be considered. You have to sit back and process all this. If you're a Leafs fan and you're upset, understandable, but you have to process all this. And do you really think that Austin Matthews is going to go to at least 40 and not win? It's a 1 in 32 chance. Or if you're an Edmonton fan, McDavid, Matthews, do you really think we're going to go their whole career and neither one of them is going to win? No. They might need extra outside help to do it, right? But I think at some point they'll figure it out. And I don't think Matthews is a long way off. And I thought he had a good first round. I do think that he maybe still squeezes the stick. Did he go to the right areas? I don't know if it's necessarily fear. Because like I said, he blocked all those shots. Maybe it just you know, takes some people longer than others. I'll use Ovi as an example. But in any case, that's what I think is happening with the Leafs. And... We traditional hockey fans that like the physicality, getting back to the question I really was supposed to answer, we're often seen as barbarians, but every year it's the same. If there's one thing that I do notice is that the team teams every year that get through 
have a fucking lot of tenacity. Again, look at the teams that are left. Carolina, you might argue, is the least physical, but I would argue against that. A, they're, they, they, their best players are out of the lineup right now, and they're in your face. They're scrums in front of the net. It's not all old-school fights, although they do have a few players who aren't fucking scared of it. But it's just a team toughness. When they need to shut down the other team, they fucking do. They, they, they're, they're better at trapping. They're better at mucking and grinding and, and going hard and going to those hard areas to score. That's being tough as well. The definition of tough, I think, has changed a little bit and people's expectations. But all four teams left, there's no fucking telling me that each one isn't real tough. Florida, do I need to even explain that? Starting with Matthew Kachuk, right? They couldn't get through. 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 President's Trophy can't get through. Can't get through. Great team. All the all this talk, but Miami was like a castaway island for anybody. Like, who cares? It doesn't even watch them. I fell in that. Who gives a fuck? I fell in that trap, too. Now, they trade away Huberto, 115 points and more, but I'm just saying. The biggest player in one goes one way is, is Huberto. The biggest player goes the other way is Kachuk. Where the fuck do Florida go? They beat the fucking record-setting Bruins and then beat the big-time expectation Toronto Maple Leafs, both teams with fucking Hart Trophy winners in the last five years on them, and, and a big supporting lineup or, or cast, yet they win. What happened? Matthew Kachuk happened. And the, the culture that he brings and blocking shots and figuring out we'll do this and going to the net hard and fucking spitting in your face and clawing at your eyes. And they got through. Lo and behold, look at Dallas, I already said. Look at Vegas, man. Come on. So once again, every year it happens that we say, oh, we're getting further and further away. What a bunch of pussies play the game now. It's not, though. There are a lot of pussies more than there were, I think, if you want to really break it down to a caveman-like opinion. But the teams that get through, again, do, do, do I need to keep, look at last year, look at the year before, look at the year before, and don't tell me Tampa Bay don't have a tough team. Physical, big, their fucking D was the biggest in the league last year. Even Edmonton, you'd argue they're out, but they... You know, it could have gone either way. They had a lot of success this year. Huge. They're huge. They're huge. Austin Matthews, you might say, oh, fuck, he plays on the perimeter. I know, but when he goes to the net, he's fucking huge. Austin Matthews is massive, right? I'm not saying that there's no place in the game for smaller players. Of course there is. They're usually tenacious. Marchessault's tenacious. Brendan Gallagher's tenacious. Braden Point, are you kidding me? Right? But all the teams that get through in the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs have tenacity and toughness. And the teams that do great in exhibition don't, usually. And the regular season is somewhere in the middle. But it's all about the playoffs. And for my money, the four teams left are the toughest fucking four teams. Overall, right? Of course, that's a big blanket statement, but you know what I'm saying. There are four real tough teams. 
Anyway, enjoy the playoffs. Great guest in a couple days. I think, I think, Shortsy fans, it's going to be Tassia Tellis. And um, it's just lining up a time. But if not, we're going to get back now to normal. We've been really fucking all over the map. But uh, this, I guess, is 153A. And tomorrow, the next day, I'll have a guest. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm really looking forward to the summer. And uh, Shorzy fans, you're asking me a lot for merch. Uh, not my department. Go online, though. And uh, there's a lot of new things. I, a simple Google search will take you there. But there's a lot of new merch that showed up that you might be interested in. And like I said, season two is going to rock. Thanks for tuning in. It's been 153A. Appreciate it if you're downtown. If you're downtown this weekend, I tell you this. You want a beer? Why not go to Trinity Pub? Why not check out Rob Roy Confusion? Of course, TJ's and Greensleeves are a must. Martini Bar, why not? Head over to the Bull and Barrel if you want to see some great rock and roll. And if you're going for a bite to eat, I'll tell you this. Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, or Wedgwood Cafe. And this particular weekend, I'm going to head down with my buddies, the Donahue brothers, Cody and Connor. And we're going to go to Adelaide for a bite to eat. Um, but support local either way. If you're in St. John's and you want to hit up Mr. Lube, there's now two locations. One's on Torbay Road, one's on Kemmel Road. See Chris Sparks. Mr. Lube, live, laugh, lube. Of course, if you want to work out, power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. Strength and balance for the body and mind. See Ryan Power. Rope Walk Lane, if you're in St. John's. And, of course, there's a location in Clarenville. And uh, Ryan can also be contacted online for any advice that you want to shoot his way. Pitbull Pain Relief, pitbullpainrelief.com. Pain sticks that just won't quit. True hockey, take what's yours. Folks, I'll be back in just a couple of days with episode 153B, hopefully featuring Tasia. Tell us. Thanks. Catch you on the rebound.